Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. This week, I'm excited because we are starting a brand new mini-series, four weeks long, studying the making of the man Joshua. Let's get started. Well, hello, friends. Thank you for joining us again this week. And like I said in the opening, we're going to begin a brand new mini-series about the making of the man Joshua. Now, Joshua comes on the scene, really the fourth lesson in this little mini-series. It'll be a little bit more popular story about Joseph. But a lot of us know, if you've studied Joshua in the Old Testament, he kind of comes onto the scene in Joshua chapter number one. As Moses has died, and now he is taking over and going to lead about 2 million people, many believe, Israelites, into the promised land. So quite a big task. But who was this man, Joshua? And and what did God put in his life that prepared him for the big moment to take over from Moses? And I, I was just actually in my personal study. I was studying through the life of Joshua, the stu- the book of Joshua, I should say. And in the in the book that I was using kind of as a reference, helping me as I was studying, I, he was giving some just background talk about Joshua. And I got really fascinated about the four scenes where we find Joshua before he becomes the Joshua that we know. And the fourth scene probably is what put him and defined him and put him on the map. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. But today we're going to take our text from Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. And I think I really want to start at the beginning of this because I'm going to make some comments a little bit later on about the beginning of this text. And so I think I'm going to read to you for a minute. So do you got a second? I mean, this is our time when we're focusing on the Bible anyways, right? I mean, if you're turning on a podcast, then you care about the Bible and that's great. And so let's just read for a second. I want you to follow along, maybe listening, whatever you're doing. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1, it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses. And said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? Now the dangerous thing about me backing up to read context is I just want to stop and make a bunch of comments and then I run out of my time. So I'm trying not to do that. But here they face a problem. They they need water. And instead of crying out to God, they decide to get very angry with God. And angry with Moses. Moses said, what are you chiding with me for? Verse 3. And the people thirsted therefore for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Yep, that was Moses' motive the whole time. The whole time Moses just wanted to get you guys out of Egypt so he could kill you. No, that wasn't his motive. You guys saw the plagues. But they're frustrated. Hey, have you ever been, you know, the Snickers commercial, eat, grab a Snickers, you know, someone's grouchy because they're hungry. You ever been grouchy because you're hungry? Maybe because you're thirsty. Here they were blaming God, blaming Moses. 
Verse 4, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? I love the leadership here of Moses. He he cries out to God and says, God, what, what do I do here with this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. He said, they're ready to kill me. They're thirsty. They've got nothing. And and so he's, he's taking his cares to God. Great advice. Wise leader. And God responds. Verse 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. Moses did did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And so you say, I thought we were talking about Joshua. Well, we are. And we're getting ready to get to him. But we see the opening scene as a problem that Israel faced. And Moses, as a leader, went to God, and God gave an answer. Now, among those two million people or so underneath Moses was one Joshua. Okay, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, here's the first mentioning of Joshua. Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. And I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. Now, are you getting this? I know you're driving in your car and you're checking your phone. Are you getting what's happening here? Moses comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, I want you to go pick out some soldiers and I want you to go fight. So when we are introduced to Joshua, he's introduced as a warrior. He's going to be leading some of the Israelites into battle against Amalek. Amalek's been a, a notorious enemy of Israel for a long time. And Moses says, I want you to take men and go into battle. He's a warrior. And Moses says, I and her and Aaron, her is H-U-R, not a girl, H-U-R and Aaron, we are going to go to the top of this hill. And we're going to pray and I'm going to raise my hands. And what happened was as Joshua was fighting, as long as Moses' hands were in the air, Joshua and his army we're, victor we're, we're winning the battle. Let's put it that way. It's not, they're going to get victory, but for now, they're winning the battle. But the moment Moses' arms begin to slouch, they started to lose the battle. Now you think, well, come on, Moses, keep your arms up. Well, you try to raise your arms for the rest of the time that I'm talking on this podcast and see how it goes. And so Moses' arms started getting a little bit tired, and Joshua started to lose the battle. And so Aaron on one side and her on the other began to lift the arms of Moses and kept them raised throughout this battle. And as long as those arms were raised, they were prevailing. It says in verse 12, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there upon. And Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
And Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the, of the sword. And I want to get to verse 14 here in a minute. But let's let that story be the backdrop that sinks into our mind as we're just thinking through this. And Moses, or excuse me, Joshua, when we pick up the story, is about 40 years old. So what I've just read to you, he's about 40 years old. So what about the first 40 years of his life? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but we do know this. Think about it. Joshua's first 40 years were not necessarily very comfortable. He was a slave in Egypt, just like the rest of the Israelites. And because he was a slave, we know he spent it somewhat difficult. We also know from 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 27, that Joshua was the firstborn son of Nun and N-U-N. We got two difficult words here, Nun, like N-O-N-E, no, Nun, N-U-N. And we got her earlier, H-U-R, not H-E-R. So, boy, if you're still with me, we're doing great. But he was the firstborn son of Nun. Why would I mention that? Here's why. You remember the very last plague that Moses, by God's instruction, did on in Egypt. The very last plague was the death of the firstborn. And the death of the firstborn, known as the Passover. And, and what they were not what they were to do, an Israelite, a believer in Jehovah, was to put the blood upon the doorpost and the mantle. And at midnight. Those that did not have the blood applied to the door, the firstborn son would die. Pharaoh's died. Well, Joshua was the firstborn son of none. So don't you think he was checking that doorpost, making sure, hey, hey, none, do you have the, the, you get the blood up there, right? We got everything taken care of. Everything that Moses said to a T, we got it taken care of, right? Yep. Okay. Do you think he slept very well that night? You think Joshua slept? I don't know if he slept very well. Making sure that blood's still applied everywhere it's supposed to be. But Joshua learned a lesson that night. And I think in those first 40 years, it was a lesson of faith and obedience. And I, th- I think there's no way that that story and that, that, that moment and that scene and all of those plagues and all that took place could not have impacted his character. But he learned with that blood applied when he looked at that, that that is faith. And he learned that is obedience. And God rewarded faith and obedience. So now here he is 40 years or so later, some time later. And he's a warrior underneath Moses' command. And he's fighting this battle because Moses told him to. He's obeying. And and he's noticing that Moses is on this hill with his hands up. And when his hands are going down, he's losing. And when his hands are up, he's winning. And this amazing passage shows us the great importance of prayer. And a majority of the lessons, and rightfully so, and messages that come from this text deal with deal with Moses and Aaron and her supporting the man of God because Moses or because Aaron and her supported Moses they're, they're talking about prayer and all of that is true and right but that's not our mini series our mini series is Joshua and what made him the man that led people how could he be a guy that one day would lead 2 million people how What did he learn? Well, we already said in those first 40 years, I think he learned a lesson of faith and obedience, and I think that impacted his character. But without a doubt, Joshua learned 
the value of prayer here, but also the value of putting action to your prayer. Think about this. Moses was praying. Joshua had to fight. Praying Moses didn't eliminate what Joshua had to do. The battle was won with prayer, yes, and it was won through normal instruments, one group of people fighting another group of people, and one dominates. All of that happened, and it was led by Joshua, but prayer was behind the scenes. Prayer led by action gets things done. Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon said, prayer is a downright mockery if it does not lead us into the practical use of means likely to promote the ends for which we pray. Now, he gets a little complicated there at the end, but what he's saying is this. Prayer, he loves his words, downright mockery if it doesn't lead us to practical obedience is what he's saying. And so there's a picture here in this text. Yes, you have the man of God and he is praying, but you also have action behind the scenes. And, and, and Joshua, young Joshua, 40-some years old, is learning the power of prayer, but also dependence upon God. He's out there fighting, thinking, I'm, I, God, you, you got us out here. We don't know if he was outnumbered. We don't know anything about that. We just know that he had to trust God. Prayer and obedience. And they were winning the battle. You know, when you think about this whole text, why? okay, this brings us to why I read the whole text. Because in Exodus 17, we see examples of God's power and man's effort working together. Think about this. Moses struck the rock, but only God could bring the water. Joshua fought, Moses prayed, but God gave the victory over Amalek. So in everything, God received the glory. But it wasn't Moses. It wasn't Joshua. It was them working together with God. God's power, man's effort. And then at the very end of this, and I'm skipping one verse and I want to get to for a reason. But Moses built an altar in verse 15 and called the name Jehovah Nisi, or Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, this word Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my banner. You know, a banner has kind of got the picture of, of victory. And, it, and it's interesting that this Israel, it wasn't Israel is my banner. That wasn't what the word meant. It, didn't mean, it, it wasn't Moses is my banner or Joshua is my banner. But, but the, the banner was Jehovah, God, the Lord is my banner. And the reason we pray is not for our glory. The reason we obey and serve and we, are, we battle Satan like is not for our glory. The glory is for God. And so I think in this, this moment, in this, this first scene, that, that Joshua would have learned another lesson of obedience and a lesson on prayer. And he was going to need this lesson on prayer as he leads over 2 million people one day into battle. He did not know that at this moment. In this moment, all he knew was, I once was a slave, and now I'm a, a warrior for Moses. That's all he knows. But God knows down the road you're going to need a lesson on prayer. And I think what I like about this 
is God is always working in our lives even when we don't know it. God knows our future. He knows what we need. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He's putting people around us. He's putting books in front of us. He's putting podcasts across your algorithm. He, all of this he's doing to help build and prepare us for his glory and to bring him glory. Now watch. Here's where I want to end this. And I love, I love this. In verse 14, I was just reading down through this. In verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, so this is God now getting the attention of Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Now, I confess, I kind of like that just because I'm, I'm falling in love with writing and the, the idea of a book. I love all of this. So that caught my attention. I love the idea of memorial things. I taught, I preached recently about uh, things that I have in my life that remind me of situations. I think that's a biblical thing, and I love that. So all of it's coming together in this verse. So I was like, all right, great, great. What's he say? He says, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Isn't that so interesting? He says, Moses, everything that you saw happen today, I want you to write it down in a book. It's going to be a memorial. This happened several times in Joshua and Moses' life. God wanted them, the future generations to remember this. He says, write it down in a book for a memorial. Then I want you to read it over and over again in the ears of Joshua. Why? I wonder if Moses would have said, hey, God, why? you know, Joshua's a good warrior and everything, but why am I reading it in his ears? Because one day God knew Joshua would lead the people into the land of Canaan. And he's going to need to remember this lesson on faith, obedience, and prayer. And so he said, write it in a book and may it forever be remembered and constantly rehearse it and read it in the ears of Joshua. And so think about this. If I can flip there quickly, remember Joshua 1, the passage that we all know. The, I shouldn't say, I hate when, when, when we say that sometimes because there may be some new Christians. You say, I, I really didn't know that. So then you feel ashamed. I apologize. I don't mean that. But there's a passage that's very popular and people love this passage. And here's the passage. It's when God was speaking to Joshua. I have now fast forwarded in time and I'm looking at a time when Joshua now just found out, hey, Moses died and you're now in command. God wants you to lead all of this people. Uh-oh. And I think he was nervous because God told him not to have fear and he told him to be strong and of good courage. And then he told him again in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. But then in verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He goes, you are going to meditate day and night upon the word of God that you have. He would have had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, part of Job, that's what he would have had. And he would have had everything that Moses had written down as a memorial. And here's what God told him in his first day as a leader of two million people. He said, get into the book. Meditate on it day and night. That's what's going to bring you courage. 
That's what's going to bring you great, great success. I love this. He started that. He planted that seed all the way back here in Exodus chapter 17 when he said to Moses, hey, read this book to him all the time. Rehearse it over and over again. Don't let him forget the lesson of today. Now, let's wrap this up. What do you think that God wants to do in your life and mine? We're not going to go lead 2 million people, but we're leading a family. You've got kids. You've got grandkids. You've got people at work underneath you. You've got people's eyes watching. You've got a Sunday school class at church. We, we are influencing people. How are we going to be able to manage that? How are we going to make a difference and bring glory to God? The way we do it is by prayer, which we learned today, by living by faith and obedience to God, and then setting memorials in our life where God has answered prayer setting memorials and bookmarks and I, I think in our reading rehearsing the scriptures in our mind get becoming students of the bible and, and and allowing the word of god to set memorials and markers in our minds and truths to help us so that we can face each day and when we do that you'll make a difference it's god preparing you for whatever he has in your future and you say, ah, I don't know. I just, there you go again, reading your Bible. You're telling me to read my Bible and it's going to make a difference. I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you. He tells us, he told Joshua, he told the psalmist in Psalm 1, in Revelation, there, the word of God is not just a book. It is quick and powerful and alive and it changes lives and it will change your life but we've got to be in the book. Joshua learned in his first appearance, he was in a battle. He was in a battle coming off a time when they were complaining they didn't have this. They got to see God work through Moses touch with that, that rod, and now he's getting to see God work through raising of hands and prayer. Joshua is in the beginning stages of learning. And over the next three weeks, we're going to see three other appearances that Joshua had before he became the man, before he became the great leader. We're going to watch as God just prepares this godly young man to become the leader he needed to be. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope this first study was a help and encouragement to you. And if it was, then let me know. Send me an email. Send me a, a, a Facebook message. And make sure you hit like, make sure you subscribe. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. We'll see you back on Sunday. Hey friends, thanks for sticking around for the ramblings. I want to, again, encourage you to subscribe wherever you're listening to right now. Uh, if you would, leave a review. That helps in the algorithm. And then one of the main things I want to drive you to is the newsletter. It, it's not news. It's they just call it a newsletter. I'm trying to figure out a better word or better way to describe it. Maybe a devotional, um, but that has a connotation as well. But it, it's something I send out on Sunday nights or Monday mornings. And it's usually got a, either a story from my life with a Bible principle or something I've read recently with a Bible principle. And it's got some updates on the podcast. 
And then it's got a, some wisdom from Proverbs. Usually I write something about a proverb. And the idea and the goal of it is just to be, help us to become Bible thinkers, to allow the Word of God to become a part of our life, even when we're not sitting at church on Wednesday. And you're already ahead of that because you listen to podcasts. But that newsletter is something I'm really ramping up going into the next year. So I encourage you to go to bradmcclure.org, B-R-A-D, I don't need to spell my name, M-C-C-L-U-R-E, Dot org, O-R-G, that's where I was headed with that. And make sure you subscribe to that newsletter. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Love to hear back from you. Love to hear your feedback. Get your thoughts for some maybe some future studies, some future series. I'd be glad to get that in. Maybe if you have some questions, you say, I just have a Bible question I'd like to ask. I could even add a segment sometimes where we answer some Bible questions. So thank you for being a part of the podcast. We'll see you back next week.